Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. The children of God are described in this verse of this text as receiving Christ Jesus the Lord. You know, Jesus is the name of his humiliation. I shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. The word Christ is that is in his anointed, his office, his prophet, priest, and king. In Christ Jesus, he is Lord. He's Lord over all things. The, re- the word receive there, it says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. It is an act which implies the very opposite of anything like merit. It is simply, and I don't like this word, but I'm going to use it. It is the acceptance or the receiving of a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not something it was worked for. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy. He saved us. If it was not for God's grace alone, none of us, none of us would ever receive him. I looked at this to try to look at it a little bit on the radio, and I made reference here in John, in John chapter 1, verse 11. We talked about the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He came unto his own. That could just be, we know that could have reference to his people, which were the Jews. I understand that. But he came into his creatures. He made all men. He came into his own, and his own received him not. They didn't want him. They wouldn't accept him. They wouldn't bow to him. They would not receive him. But, verse 12, as many as received him, Thank goodness some do. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, how did they receive him? Because they were born not of blood. They didn't inherit it. Not of the will of the flesh. Not of their will, of their decision. Nor the will of man. It was not by somebody else persuading them to try to get them to receive Christ. They do receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. By nature, let me say it again, the natural man will never, ever receive him. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, and neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He said, I won't have it. I won't receive him. I w-. And here's something else he said. I want you to think, I want you to turn here. I want to show you this verse in John chapter 5, verse 43. Our Lord came, walked upon the earth, and they wouldn't receive him, wouldn't have him. Wouldn't receive his message, they wouldn't receive his person, they just wouldn't receive him. 
he tells these people, he said, I am come in my father's name. My father sent me. I'm sent here on purpose. I'm his, I'm his righteous servant. I am come in my father's name and you received me not. And they didn't. If another shall come, not in the Father's name, but he comes in his own name, in his own authority, him you will receive. Now that describes religion today. They will receive wholeheartedly, with open arms, they will receive a false gospel that speaks of another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. They will receive it. He said, let another come, they will receive him but they won't receive me. He said they will receive, and, and they do. But thank goodness God enables some people. And the reason you receive him is because by grace he receives you, and he makes you willing in the day of his power. As ye have received, he's speaking of his elect, they have received him. They didn't give anything. They only are partakers of his free grace. Received it. He gave them eternal life. And by grace, you received it. Received it. The idea of receiving implies a sense or of a realization making what we receive a reality. We're not receiving a shadow we're not just receiving a doctrine. What we are receiving is a person. But as many as what received him. Now remember that. They received him. Him. We do receive by grace, by faith, a real person. Christ now, now, he becomes, he's real. You go explain it, I just can't. Before he was a theory, before he was just someone that lived a long time ago, that's all he was. And we can, a lot of people receive that and embrace that, but it is a person. It's Christ. He now becomes real. He may be some he may be real to you. But that doesn't help me. Is he real to me? Have I received him? Him. Listen in Romans chapter 10 verse 14. How shall they call on him? in whom they have not believed. They're not. And how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? He talks there twice on, on him and in whom. And that's what it is. How are you going to call on him in whom you don't know? You're not going to. When you find out who you are and he makes himself known who he is, then you call upon him and you call because he gives you the grace to call and you believe 
in him of whom you've heard. And everybody under false religion, they believe in the one that's been presented unto them, and that's the one they trust. It is receiving a person. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 1, many scriptures, but two especially here in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What an amazing verse. But it begins with, in whom? Who died? He did. It was not a doctrine that died. It was a person that died. He was a person. He, he took upon himself human flesh. He became one of us yet without sin. In verse, in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, not our will, his will, but it is in whom we have an inheritance. He told Abraham, I am your exceeding and great reward. He is our inheritance. And the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he said, For which cause I also suffer these sayings, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom. He didn't say I know what. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I know whom I believed and what. He's God. He's Jesus Christ the Lord. That's who he is. That's who he is. And he's not ashamed. I know him. What do you mean you know him? Well, you know him. <laughs> When he makes himself known, you know him, and you receive him because you know him. If you ever know him, oh, yeah, you'll come to him. You'll bow to him. You'll call to him, and you'll be glad he crossed your path. And so many won't receive him. They see no beauty in him, but God allows us to see. Then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, whom having not seen... You love. Can you describe that? Whom having not seen, you love. We've not seen him with physical eyes. But we've seen him by faith. And to see him, and to see him, to really see him, is to love him. No way around it. When you see him, and the reason you see him, he lo we love him because he first loved us, but we do love him. Whom having not seen you love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Something else about receiving. So it means grasping something that's, something that's real. It means grasping or getting possession of. 
Back in Ephesians 1, if you were still there, it says in verse 13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. When will a man believe God? When will a man receive God? After he's heard the word of truth. Now, what does that, then what does he say? That word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. It's not just your salvation. It's the gospel of my salvation. Mine. You mean it's, it, Paul said it's my gospel. It's the gospel that when God speaks to you, and it is personal. I know people pervert that, but it is personal. It is yours. He's my Lord, and he's my Savior. I'm his, and he is mine. No question about that. But the gospel, the good news that God came, and he said, listen, God gave his life for sinners. God opens your eyes and makes you willing in the day of his power, and you see that you're a sinner, and you see Christ, and you said, thank God he died for sinners, and he put away sin, and that's my gospel. We see it as my gospel. He's my Lord. Like Thomas said, my Lord and my God. It's him. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also the after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There's no question in whom he is. What he does, why he did it, and he's yours. Job knew this. Job, man, long lived a long time ago. But it doesn't matter when they lived. Whenever they lived, they believe because God sent the gospel to them. Doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the time. You go, how were they saved? Well, they were saved exactly the same way you're saved. You have to hear the gospel. You have to. And Job did. How do we know Job? Well, know what he said. He wrote by inspiration in Job chapter 19, verse 25. He said, I know. Know what? I know that my Redeemer liveth. How did he describe the Redeemer? He said, he's my Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Now, that's your joy. My Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body in my flesh, shall I see God. One day, I'm going to really see him. We see through a glass darkly, but we see him by faith and believe him. But one day, like Job said, I'm going to see him. He's going to stand. He's going to stand upon this earth. Whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. It's not like Paul saying, well, Mike, I saw him. Let me tell you about him. I will see him. That's what Job said, in whom I shall see for myself. 
He said, one day, I'm going to see him. You know what David said? I'm going to be satisfied when I wake in his likeness. And I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Now, if you would, turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 3. The wife in the Song of Solomon wanted her husband. And she describes him. And she describes him four times. She said, whom my soul loveth. Song of Solomon 3, verse 1. By night on my bed I sought him. She's not seeking something phantom or some dream. She says, I sought him. And who was this him that she sought? It was the one whom my soul loveth. I sought him, and I found him not. I will arise and go out about the city and the streets and in the broadways, and I'm going to seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city, they found me. And whom I said, the watchmen are a picture of God's preachers, saw ye him? Whom my soul loveth, and it was but a little that I passed from them, that I found him whom my soul loveth. And she said, I held him and would not let him go. Until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. She was looking for him. She looked for him where she thought she would find him, and she didn't stop till she found him. And when she found him, I would not let him go. When she, this church, did not sense the presence of the one she loved, she was not satisfied, and we will not be satisfied till we find him. We're not looking for a feeling. We're not looking for some emotional thing. She was looking for the one, and this describes it, whom my soul loveth. He gave his soul an offering for sin. We can't describe that. And we love him above everything else. He's the one. She said, have you saw him whom my soul loveth? Mr. Fortner said, talking about his presence, he had, he had removed his presence from her. He said, the return of the Lord's manifest presence by the Holy Spirit has been the birth of every true revival and spiritual awakening. She describes us probably laying there on the bed of sloth. We seek him well, you know, I didn't find him. It's not really that important. It was important to her. She gets up out of the bed. Where are you going to find him? Where are you going to find him? Where do you find the Lord? Where are you going to find him in his word? That's one place you'll find him. 
And I know you will find him where the gospel's preached. You're not going to find him where the gospel's not preached. You're not going to find him there. And you will find him where God's people meet together. You know what we come this morning? We come to seek him. He received us and we receive him. And we want him more than anything else in this world. He's the one whom our soul loveth. A loving wife may not always have her husband in her arms, but she always has him in her heart. Even so, the true believer does not always enjoy the presence of God, but he never, never ceases to love him. Him whom my soul loveth. What is what she's saying? There's no rivals. In Christ, it is Christ himself that we love. She wouldn't stop till she found him. Christ has won our hearts and we love him. Many love his doctrine. We love him. Many love his throne. We love him. Many love his church. We love him. Many love his work. We love him. If we are believers, we will not be happy until we find him. And those who seek Christ diligently will find him. And when she had found him, she was very careful to retain him. I held him and would not let him go. You mean God, the sovereign Lord and ruler over all things? He allowed her, he allows us to restrain him. He will not stay where he's not wanted. He will go away if you don't hold him. Yes, he will go away if we don't hold him, but he is willing to be held by us. He is the one who causes us to want him because he holds us by his grace. We have found him and received him in our arms, and we're jealous of his presence because we've received him. But that's not the end of the verse. As many has received Christ Jesus the Lord. As many, and I pray that if you've never bowed to him and God has never enabled you to receive him, I pray today would be the day that he give you faith to receive him as Lord, as King, as master, as many as received him, so walk ye in him. Walking implies action. We received our Lord by faith and we walk by faith. If we are children of God, we have a responsibility to walk as, the light, as in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship one with another. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17, 
And you've heard me say this, but let me repeat it. In all, especially the epistles that Paul wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he lays out who Christ is, what Christ done. You know, in first chapter we see the Father chose, the Son redeemed, the Holy Spirit convicts and seals. Then we see in Ephesians 2, for by grace are you saved, through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then we come to chapter 4. This I say, therefore, verse 17, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles, walk in the vanity of their mind. That's how the world walks. Those who have received Christ do walk differently. We walk a different path. There is a way which seems right. He is the way. Walk you in it. But they walk in the vanity of their minds. And then on down in verse, so he's speaking to us. He's speaking to believers. Now verse 30 of Ephesians 4. Now listen to this. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is Jesus Christ. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not not any less God. Whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. How How are we to walk in this world? Let all bitterness. I mean, is he talking to believers? You mean believers can be bitter? That's what he's saying. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, and being put away with you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's how to walk. Tenderhearted, not hard-hearted, not bitter. And Mr. Spurgeon said, our Lord is not indifferent about the conduct of his people. There are many things that will drive our Lord from us and destroy our fellowship with him. As we've mentioned, anger, wrath, malice, pride, slander, vengeance, love of the world, envy, and strife are things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed into the day of redemption. Let us, by God's grace, take care not to grieve him. Rather, let us walk in the Spirit as followers of Christ, loving, forgiving, submitting to, and serving one another, for the glory of God. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? By grace. How are you to walk? By grace. How are you to treat other people? By grace. <laughs> I thought about him and Sandy was talking this morning. You remember the, I think it was a couple of people the Lord had forgiven them all the debt. They didn't have anything to pay and he forgave them the whole debt. You know what the one man did? He went out, and I, th- I forget how much he owed. He owed a lot. He owed a lot. He went out and found a man who owed him like five pence, which was just a little bit of money. And you know what he did? He grabbed the man by the throat, and he said, you pay me what you owe me. 
And he said, have patience with me and I'll pay. He said, no, I ain't going to have no patience with me. He throwed him in the jail. Then the master, the Lord, came to him. He said, what are you doing? He said, you desired for me to give you all the debt and I forgave you. And you want to just grab somebody by the throat? Does that not describe us? Well, we'll make them suffer. Yeah, they're going to pay. How much has God forgiven us? Walking signifies progress. So walk you in him. Colossians 1.10 says, just a chapter back from this one, that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Brother Henry said that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all blessings. This is our godly conduct and behavior, behavior, not only in the church, but in the home, on the job, and on the street. We will live and talk as those who are in Christ, seeking to please and glorify God, being fruitful in every good work. Believers are trees of righteousness planted by the Lord to bear the fruit of the Spirit and good works of the kingdom of Christ, increasing in the knowledge of God. Ignorance in believers dishonors God as much as fruitlessness does. Both fruitfulness and a growth in the knowledge of our Lord are necessary to walk worthy of the Lord. You're not standing still. We are, grow, we are going from grace to grace. In 2 John 1 verse 4, you know what he said addressing that church? He said, I rejoice greatly that I found thy children walking in truth. Following Christ. As you've received him, walk ye in him. As I thought about this, now listen. Little children, when they begin to walk, Hadley's just my youngest granddaughter right now, is just a little over a year old. And Erica sent me FaceTime and she'll walk and stumble and fall. And now she's walking a little better. You know, that describes a believer. We walk, we stumble, but, you know, she's making progress. And before I know it, she'll be out there running just like with the other two sisters. And that's how God teaches us. We stumble, we fall, we slip. Walking implies continuance. In Acts 14.22, they were confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. It also implies habit, not a bad habit, but a, what that means is the tenor of a person's life. We fall seven times a day. We must cling to Christ and never let him go. Enoch said and walked with God and he was not for God took him. How long did Enoch walk with God? 400 years. 
Walking with Christ means that we persevere in the way in which we have begun. There's only one way. This, this is the way. Walk you in it. This is the way the patriarchs walked. This is the way every believer walked. And this is the way every believer will walk. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? By faith. It wasn't by works, it was by merit. So, so how do you walk? Same way. You walk by faith. Paul said in Galatians 3, 3, Are you so foolish? Have you begun in the Spirit? Did you begin walking by, in the Spirit? And are now are you made perfect by the flesh? When we began following him by faith and we continued, now this is it, we continued to follow him and I will. They may stumble and fall, but they're going to follow him all the way. Listen to this. I am poor. I am a poor sinner and nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. How do we walk? Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross. I cling. God help us to walk in a way that honors him. We walk in unbelief and we complain and about providence and those things. That doesn't bring any honor to him. I want you to listen to this and we'll close. Return, O holy dove, return. Sweet messenger of rest, we hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove thee from our breast. The dearest idol we have known, whatever that idol be, help us to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. So shall our walk be close with God, calm and serene our frame, so pure light shall mark the road that leads us to the Lamb. As we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him.